Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugar cane, Three Roll is cane to glass. From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge time. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In today's hyper-competitive, unpredictable economy, it's hard to run a business and to know whether what you as a business owner have built is even doing things right. Besides worrying about the product or service you specialize in, you have to manage employees and their productivity, implement IT systems, deal with accounting and HR, and engage in digital marketing, to name a few. Sure, there are consultants you can hire, but how do you know who you can trust? Is there any software that can help you figure it all out? With me today to discuss this is Jody Mitchell. CEO of Directed Analytics, a Baton Rouge-based company that has come up with just such a tool to develop systematic approaches and scalable solutions to help organizations succeed. Specifically, the firm uses technology and data to come up with new processes, procedures, and ways to measure productivity and performance in areas like accounting, workforce, IT, digital marketing, and cybersecurity. Jody founded the firm in 2014 and in the years since has helped clients in a range of industry sector with some exciting new projects in the educational space that Jody will tell us about. He is a native of Baton Rouge with a bachelor's degree in engineering and a master's degree in computer engineering. Jody, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you for having me. With me and Jody at the table is Brandon Bourgeois, Senior Vice President and Marketing Director of Sunbelt Business Brokers of Baton Rouge, the local franchise of a national business brokerage firm that has sold more businesses throughout its more than two dozen franchisees around the country than any other business broker in the world. Now, the parent company was started in the late 1970s in Charleston, South Carolina, and it specializes in helping mostly small and mid-sized businesses, offering an array of services that include not only pairing buyers and sellers together, but helping a business owner decide how to price their business for sale and how to market it. Brandon is a Baton Rouge native and a graduate of LSU who joined the company locally in 2012 and knows the business well. He grew up around it because his father, Bob Bourgeois, is the local franchise owner and has grown the company beyond Baton Rouge to now include all of Louisiana, parts of Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida. So you have a lot of territory to cover, Brandon, and you also know a lot about helping businesses. Thank you for joining us today on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. Well, Jody, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about Directed Analytics, because it's not just the name of your company, but it's actually like the, the, the name for the type of service that you all sell, right? It's the name of your technology. Yes. The name of our company is Directed Analytics. Yeah. And as we were thinking about the company and what 
we were doing, we wanted to take the burden of trying to understand data to solve a problem or to reach a particular goal, and we wanted to basically direct. So it would take that burden away. We think direct what like direct companies on yes we we want it from a a visual perspective so think of it as a GPS for reaching your goals like you have a GPS that you may plug in from this restaurant to get to downtown uh, from point A to point B visually guide someone along that way to reach their goals and that's what we want to do and that's what we're working toward doing for different use cases you mentioned education education being one so if you needed to develop skills in a certain area we would visually guide you along that way to to reach that goal and you all have developed a software product yes. that businesses can use to do this correct very interesting. And so um, I want to drill down a little bit more. Like, like give us an example of, of, of what it kind of looks like. Sure. Within the software, there's a, a, a plan where you will plan out the different activities. So, for example, if you wanted to develop the employability skills for individuals with intellectual developmental disabilities, within that, you'd have the different activities, the courses, the different trainings. And then you'd have another tab where you would have assessments. So basically assessing how well those activities contributed to the the goal. And then you'd also have an area where you'd have assignments. So that would be where your subject matter expert would come in. And if someone was off track, looking at it visually, so they're looking at how this person is progressing toward their particular goal, they're off track, then the subject matter expert would come in and prescribe and say, hey, you need to do more of this, or hey, we need to add this to your particular activities to help you reach your goal, and you're actually visualizing your progress toward your particular goal. So interesting. Now, Brandon, um, Sunbelt Business Brokers, your business brokerage, maybe one day digital analytics, says, hey, we want to sell. And that's maybe when they would call someone like you to come in and help them figure out how to evaluate their company and how to find a prospective buyer for them? That's absolutely correct. We were just talking about that a little bit before you got <laughs> well, there here. You go. I, was getting, right. I was getting a little run, Jody, the rundown on what we do and how we do it. Um, I think the biggest thing most business owners don't do is they don't talk to someone like us in advance. You don't know what you're worth if you haven't sat down on paper and crunched the numbers and really thought about what is a buyer looking to buy you for? Very often, every owner thinks, I'm the key person to business. I'm important. I should. My business is great because I'm here. But that's actually the opposite when you sell. If I'm buying your your company, if you're not here when you're gone, what is your company? If you're the most important person. So diversifying yourself out of the business as much as possible is the first step in getting to the best price you can get. And I think sometimes owners, you know, obviously if you're business on your ego, sometimes you feel great about it. You love your puppet, you know, puppy, it's great. It's, it's your project. <laughs> but I'd say, you know what, learn to step back, bring people in, you know, empower them to make decisions for you and grow your company. So when it's time to step away, you can get the best price. Yeah, I think that's such great advice. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But let me back up. Um, Sunbelt Business Brokers was originally founded in South Carolina. Yes. And then they have franchisees mm-hmm. around the country who sort of have a territory. Correct. And then work. And that's what y'all do. But you have grown it. You and your dad have grown it throughout the Gulf South, really. That's correct. Yes. We, he's, my dad, father started about 22 years ago here in Baton Rouge. And ironically, he was looking to buy a business and the person who owned the franchise went under and he told his partner, look, you got 10 grand? He goes, yeah, I got 10 grand. He goes, let's buy this business. We'll get the first shop that comes on the market. <laughs> and that's how they got started. And 20 years later, he's like, I'm still here. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. And y'all specialize in, in mostly small businesses. 
uh, Main Street, which is the smaller side of the market, yes. and also middle market too Correct. a little bit. And, we, and what size range is that like? Roughly we got to about 20 million in acquisition size. Um, there's a lot of big brokerage firms that handle the mid-market stuff around 30 to 50 to 100 million. That's not really what we really specialize in. Can we handle it? Yes. Is there that many opportunities in Louisiana? Not that many in our market. Now, if you go to Dallas, Houston, LA, whole different, hmm. whole different practice. But we specialize everything. We sold stuff as low as 10,000 up to 20 million. So we've, we've covered a wide range. That's great. And how big is your, is your firm? We have 14 brokers across all our seven offices. Um, Right now, probably everyone's been with us at least 10 years or more. Most guys, even wow. they're longer than I have, 15 to 20. Wow. Jody, um, what is the history of digital analytics? How did you come up with the idea for that? What were you doing at the time? At Directed Analytics, so a short backstory of engineering by trade. Used to fix things in my mom's place and take apart things, try to figure out how things worked, and also was interested in business. So sell Dixie cups and concessions to understand how to potentially make a profit. And as I started working, I knew I wanted to have technology and I knew I wanted to have a company. And I was understanding, wanting to understand the concept that I would develop and, and apply my, my, my passions to. And it was one day when I was working a project, I was leading a project, and we were basically, long story short, we were spinning our wheels. Mm -hmm. And I thought through the problem and I said, hey, this is what we need to do to reach our particular goal. And I thought a little bit further and saw how, from an engineering perspective, how we solve problems. We looked at uh, problems from the standpoint of employing different methods. One of them would be analyzing the problem, so thinking about it in our minds or crunching it in a computer, visualizing a problem, so fishbone diagram or schematic or thinking about it in our minds, and then collaborating. So collaborating on the particular problem, uh, building on each other's knowledge. So you may have a systems engineer, computer engineer, et cetera, and you're building on their, their knowledge. And in addition to that, it's iterating on a problem. Are, are iterating, so you have a hypothesis and you're continuously iterating until you solve that particular problem. Uh, so with that, I wanted to basically take that same engineering approach and apply it to other problem sets. So education, it's not necessarily an engineering problem, but you can approach it from an engineering perspective, digital marketing. So basically taking that framework and applying it to different use cases. So that's a, a, a very sort of broad concept. And did you sit down and like map out what this software and sort of dashboard really would look like then? Yes, yes. It was a lot of iterations, concepts, developing the concept, doing prototypes, a lot to, until we got it to the point where I was comfortable and said, okay, I think this is what would be useful. And at the time you were working as an engineer? Yes. With a company? Yes. I so worked. this was like a side gig sort of thing? I mean, you were doing this in your spare time, in other words? Yes. I worked at Lockheed. That's when I had the Eureka moment, um, and I think that was around maybe 2010, 2011. So working that in the background and working on my company and working full-time at, at Lockheed. And then throughout my professional career, I started working full-time in August of 2019 for Direct and Analytics. Okay, okay. And, and, so, and then when you have a great idea like this and, and you're sitting at your day job and you're mapping it out, who, who do you turn to to, to help you bring it to fruition? Uh, myself and my co-founder 
and we would look to identify different uh, software developers that could help us out. You know, we'd bootstrap, find different talent, different resources to be able to help us develop the capability for our requirements. Uh, since I've been full-time, I've been able to establish relationships, have conversations. I'm a member of the Nexus Louisiana Technology right. Park, and so I can go there and ask questions or get pointed in the right direction. And When was your co-founder um, working with you at Lockheed, or it was somebody you just knew and oh, brought in? We went to Louisiana Tech together. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, so you Brit sold him on the idea and brought him on board. Yes. Britton Moss, we went to Louisiana Tech together. So he had a previous company that he was working on prior to that, and that is one of the ways I started to learn how to basically do more with less. Yeah. Uh, so bootstrapping, and so that was a good lesson learned working with him. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Jody Mitchell of Directed Analytics and Brandon Bourgeois of Sunbelt Business Brokers. Brandon, in, in, in your business, you have to know a lot about, I mean, the financing part of businesses, mm -hmm. real estate, um, probably some law. How, yes. How, you have a, a broad range of experience. Do you have to have a bunch of degrees? Um, or have you learned some of it just by doing a lot's by doing. Um, it's good to have a business background, having to run a company or worked in an accounting firm. Uh, we have some guys with backgrounds in food service, lawyers, um, pro former pro sports athlete, Alan Risher played quarterback at She's one of our guys. Um, it comes from all, all varieties. The best thing is can you learn and adapt and learn to work with people? Because mm -hmm. no matter how much, if you can read the books, you understand what a contract says, if you can't get someone to understand what they're buying and show them what it is and show them the value, then they're not gonna make a purchase. When, when somebody comes to you, is it, is it more often a seller who wants help selling her business, or is it a buyer who's interested in, a, in an acquisition and wants help knowing what's a reasonable price to Very pay? often both. Um, typically, most sellers come to us saying, look, I've been in business 20 years. I'm tired. I'm old. I need to get out. What am I worth? What can I expect? And we'll look mm -hmm. at the numbers and help and say, look, roughly, here's a good range you should fall in based on what your business is doing. Often buyers, will, then we go and find a buyer for them. Other times buyers come to us and say, look, we're looking to strategically grow. If you ever get an HVAC company in this range, you ever get a plumbing company Interesting, or, you know, yeah. or manufacturing, I need to grow in Louisiana. Or a lot of cases, I need the license. Like in medical, for example, there's a moratorium on home health, PCA, DME, and you cannot get a license unless you purchase an existing business in the state. The state will not issue more licenses. So if you're, say, in Dallas and you want to move into the Louisiana markets, you have to buy an existing home health company to get in. So a lot of times buyers reach out to that modality and say, hey, anything that comes up, I don't care. I need the right. license. I'll pay just for the license. They can, keep, they can keep the rest of the company. I just need to do business. Yeah. So what kind of activity are you seeing right now, um, you know, as we're, we're emerging from the pandemic, we've got some wonky mm -hmm. things going on with the economy. <laughs> Is there a lot of activity in the acquisition business or people like hanging on to what they have? No, there is. There's a lot. Um, SBA got extremely aggressive during the, S during the pandemic. Um, they were doing as low as 10% down to get in for loans under up to $5 million. So a lot of people who didn't think they had that opportunity were able to go and acquire or grow or even just start their own oper operation. Um, private equity several years ago would not look at anything making less than $5 million EBITDA. Now they're looking as low as $750,000. Really? People are just pulling the money out of the stock market. Private equity has grown astronomically. People realize there's money in these firms. So what they're trying to do is they know they can't just buy one big operation. So they start a platform company. 
maybe around 20 million in sales, and they go and buy regionally smaller companies and add mm -hmm. to that platform. And the goal is eventually take it and do an IPO. So the only way to do that is they come in these private equity groups and say, hey, any HVAC in South Louisiana, I want to add to my platform. I'm fine. Just let me know. I'm aggressive. I'll pay cash. And all wow. of a sudden, they go from a 20 million revenue company to a 40, 50, 60, 70, $100 million revenue company in just a few years, and the return on investment is massive. So that's sort of the private equity strategy that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Acquire lots of these little guys. Yes. That you might not think is any great shakes, but mm -hmm. when rolled into something bigger and then interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow, you must encounter a lot of fascinating people in your... It's been an interesting job, to say the least. I learned a lot as a young man at 21 starting, and at 32 now, I'm still amazed every day. <laughs> Jody... Tell me a little bit about, I'm sorry, did you have a question? I do yeah. have a question. Yeah, go ahead. With the private equity, are they thinking that being able to manage, purchase and manage companies is more advantageous than just staying in the, the stock market? Is that the rationale? That's what I've seen. Um, okay. And a lot of the private equity too, or a lot of families have old line money decided that they don't want to, they need to diversify, but how do you make a good return quickly? Real estate, you're, you're stuck in your, your real estate till you sell it. That's why a lot of commercial firms now, like McDonald's, KFC, they unload their real estate. They want to get as much of their money back into their balance sheet as soon as they possibly can to keep growing because that money's tied up in that large piece of real estate. So these private equity firms realize, hmm, what would we do to try to put businesses? Because there's a lot of good businesses you can buy quickly for a million dollars in the same area, but would never want to buy, could never all buy each other out at one time. But if we come in, and can offer stock and benefits and grow this company, the owners not only get paid at cashed out of their business, can have a small stock percentage when it goes live, mm -hmm. they make a great return on their investment. Now on that, a lot of times it's skilled labor too, like in the HVAC and plumbing industries, which is very hot right now for these groups. You can't find skilled labor, so how do you do it? You acquire. Why is why is HVAC and plumbing hot? Just out of curiosity, since you mentioned The maintenance that. contracts have gotten very big. You, I think if you ever had your HVAC go out recently, they offer a maintenance contract, $25 a month. Well, that's recurring revenue. They love recurring revenue into skilled labor. So as much recurring revenue as they can get, the better valuation they will get because that's stable revenue. It's not having to go find a new customer every single day down the street. It's we're getting 400 customers paying us $30 a month. That's locked in money. Yeah. That's great. What business owner doesn't want that? Mm -hmm. If you point. can get a couple thousand contracts together, you can start economy of scale. You can go down the, the rabbit hole there, but it becomes... A very advantageous operation. So talking about revenues and, and contracts, Jody, what, what is your model? Um, I mean, do y'all go in and a client hires you one time, they pay you a fee to come up with like a, a, a plan for them? Or do they put you on contract and, and then your software and um, directed analytics product is sort of part of what guides them, you know, in their day-to-day decision-making? Right now we have the software that we're developing and we also have the for the different use cases so there's a there's the concept and our product is foresight gps our foresight guided path to success now to apply that that framework to digital marketing looks different than applying it to education looks different than applying it to workforce productivity yeah. so right now we're focused on applying it to uh, digital marketing use case and we also have a National Science Foundation STTR where we're working to develop it for automating employability skills development for individuals with intellectual disabilities for the education space and we currently have our core software able to fit the needs of the non-ML non-advanced processing a, a pr approach for developing employability skills so those are just different use cases that we develop our software to, to fit 
within. Now, from a software as a service perspective, that would be a recurring revenue model, uh, price mm -hmm. per user. Now, we also have professional services such as software development, integration, cybersecurity, and that's more on a contract basis. So we'd have a scope of work, and we would provide an estimate as far as our, a quote, a price for the scope of the work that we've been asked to do. Interesting. Um, so with this National Science Foundation grant, um, tell us a little bit more about what you all are developing. You mentioned for individuals with intellectual disabilities. Yes. So the software is to help them become more employable or, or, that, or the, the schools, the educational institutions where they are students? Tell me a little bit more specifically because I'm not clear. Yes. Absolutely. The National Science Foundation, they have for their small business technology transfer research grants, they have two phases. We have a phase one and a phase two. And phase one is around, well, when we did it, it was 256K. Now I think it's around 275. And then phase two is 1 million. And it is, if you raise a million dollars, they'll match a half. And then I think there's another 200,000 that you can get for that. But basically phase one is to uh, prove the feasibility of your concept uh -huh. and buy down, basically reduce the risk. And so tell us what your concept is. I mean, you mentioned individuals with intellectual disabilities. Yes. And, and so this is a, there's a lot of variables and factors that go into developing employability skills for individuals with developmental disabilities. And let's just say you have someone with a specific developmental disability, and there would be some factors that would be required to develop this particular individual for a specific job. So let's say this person wanted to be a computer scientist or they wanted to do computer programming. Uh, you could have a same, another individual with developmental disabilities that may want to be a computer scientist as well or a computer programmer, but there's different things that would need to happen in both case, cases potentially. So the, 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 the challenge is that it requires subject matter expertise to be able to do that. So basically what we want to do is through technology, machine learning, advanced processing, we want to be able to basically take subject matter expert inputs and be able to scale that across different use cases from the standpoint of you have individuals with different types of developmental disabilities or different areas and they have different goals, but we want to one day have the ability for a student, whether they're in high school or they're transitioning to a higher education program, we want them to be able to come in and say, hey, I want to get from point A to point B, similar to your GPS, and I want you to show me what I need to do to get there. And if I get, if and when I do get off track, I want you to get me back on track, similar mm -hmm. to your GPS. And so you would sell this product to the school where they're going, right? Yes. For their training or their certification or their degree or whatever. Yes. Or to the school systems or to the state or... Secondary schools and higher ed programs. Very interesting. And this would be a computer program that they would sit down and use on a PC terminal or on an app on their phone? It would be both. Or both. Yes, yes. Very interesting. Um, Brandon, how big are y'all, um, and how many employees do you have? I know y'all are growing a lot. Well, we have contract agents. We have 14 right now, including myself. Um, we're expanding to two more offices in Panama City and Destin, Florida right now. We should hire about two or three guys in the Florida Panhandle region. Um, that's, I'd say about 14, yeah, right now. Hoping to get to 17 to 20, give or take, based on the market right now. Um, for seven locations, we typically don't want to overcrowd a market. There's only so many businesses that will exchange yeah. hands every year. 
But typically, you would probably say of the 10% that do exchange hands in the market, the total business, 10% will change hands. About half will use a broker. Some are arms leave transactions. Some are, you know, competitor to competitor who just reach out and say, hey, do you want to do a deal? Others, they need us. Sure. And do y'all handle it soup to nuts? I mean, do you have the attorneys on staff that can draw up the, the We don't have them on staff, but we have or? groups that we've used previously that have done. We have one attorney here in town who's done about 400 closings for us. So we typically recommend attorneys. We have good business experience. Uh, there's a lot of good title attorneys out there. and yeah. But closing deals, especially in the ranges as you get larger, gets a lot more complicated with the paperwork. Sure, sure. Do you do succession planning? Um, we do not, Seems no. like... That's a huge need, as you alluded to at the beginning, to make people yes. aware of the need to start That's thinking That's one thing we way. mentioned to, you know, say there's an older couple who owns a business, we always remind them, hey, if you don't have power of attorney, if your husband's ill, please get that. Because if the business goes into succession, it can't be sold. Mm-hmm. And that can, often it, it really hurts the business because the business deteriorates when the leader's not there. And what you could have sold for now versus eight months later can be a whole different story. Sure. Jody, you're paying attention. <laughs> He's got great advice um, for business yes. just starting out and just really starting to grow and get some traction. It's really <laughs> I'm important to be following to up with Brandon after now. this conversation. <laughs> Happy to help. Awesome. Well, Brandon Bourgeois and Jody Mitchell, you both are doing so many exciting things to make local businesses better and stronger and to create new opportunities in the educational space and the digital analytics space. So thank you both for all your hard work and for sharing your insights and experiences with us today on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having us. Thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Brandon Bourgeois of Sunbelt Business Brokers of Baton Rouge and Jody Mitchell of Directed Analytics. We had to edit this show to fit into our time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and learn more about Directed Analytics and Sunbelt Business Brokers by going to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Eric Otts. You can find more of Eric's photos on Instagram at at Acro, that's A-C-R-E-A-U-X. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by J.T. O'Neill. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansour's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugar cane. Three Roll is cane to glass. 
Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 